Coming to you live from their remote studios in Ohio and Louisiana, this is Peace of Mind. Follow us on Twitter at POM underscore sports or on Spotify at Peace of Mind Sports Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Mark and Matt. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Peace of Mind Sports Podcast. We are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hope you're all having a wonderful evening. My man, Matt, how are you tonight, sir? Yo, my man, dude, yo. I'm doing really good, man. You know, had a pretty chill day today at work. You know, wasn't too hard, wasn't, you know, too hot, wasn't too cold necessarily, you know, just really chill day, which is perfect, you know, because tomorrow is friday friday you know we keep talking about how upset and sad we are that college football season is finally over as it came to a conclusion monday night for the college football national championship game but we have six amazing nfl games coming to you this weekend um so the fight continues as far as the nfl goes but let's start with the college football side um of course as we always do on the show the national championship game between Georgia and Alabama. Matt, I have to ask, what are your thoughts on this game? You know, little 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 thing I wanted to bring up before we get it, and that is two years ago today. Okay. The greatest ever. LSU caps off the first ever, and I think only, I don't know, maybe Alabama did it last year i have to check how many games they played but lsu went 15 and 0 and won the national championship 42 25 over clemson two years ago today that was two years ago already today wow two years ago today and of course joe burrow has a big game this weekend with jamar chase in the wild card matchup against the raiders but thanks for sharing that you know it's always good to look back on this day in history all that sort of thing to see kind of where teams are at after like so many years and i i i'll guarantee it that one day um again maybe not exactly to, to that team um you would hope but lsu football will be back with a vengeance in the sec so all right matt so looking over this game obviously you weren't going to be one to bet against um coach saban um if i had to put money down on this game i was not going to bet against coach saban but Georgia, in the end, absolutely, I don't want to say dominates because Alabama kept the game interesting, especially going into the third quarter. Um, You know, they had you the lead say, and everything. Not to interrupt, you just kind of put in, you could say I'm they curious, dominated the fourth. Um, You know, the, the I agree the first two quarters, you know, back and forth, third even was, even maybe the beginning of the fourth, but the end of the fourth, middle, it was all Georgia. Absolutely. And... Which brings us to a great point to where we can discuss this um, in extension to the, the game. You had mentioned as among the, the popular fan base that was either rooting for Alabama or just kind, kind of seeing this game as an as a outside perspective. You know, someone like you who's not a fan of either team, but just loves the game of football. A lot of people said that 
with the Alabama injuries that happened during the game, especially uh, Jamison Williams, who unfortunately sustained that ACL injury, that that had a lot to do with the game. I just want to hear your side and what you think that was the reason that really swung things in the Georgia's favor before I get into my take. Did it have something to do with the outcome or the trajectory of the game? I would say yes. I mean, you. this is what I would say, right? Anytime you have players, especially players like a Jamison Williams and a John Mechie, right? And then, you know, even if you look at it on the, you know, on the side of um, right. Georgia, right? If, you know, they didn't have, you know, James Cook or Stetson Bennett or someone like that, right? It's going to say it directly game, sure. impacted the game. Somebody who's important to their team. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Um, would the outcome have been different? You can't for sure say that. Um, would Alabama have had a better chance to win, especially in some critical moments, if someone like Jamison Williams and John Meshi is on the field? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen what Alabama did to Georgia with those two on the field. But, you know, we all know George, John Meshi got hurt in that game, and then Williamson, of course, in the national championship. Um, but I'm not going to use that excuse, right? Georgia won. That's what it is. You know, you can go back and say, well, what about this? What about that? All you want. What if, you know, Alabama didn't luck up with the broken BCS system and get in and, you know, and have to play LSU again in 2012. LSU would have won a national championship that year. Yeah, you, um, you can go back as far as time can tell us as soon as they started keeping stats, you know, in, in college, uh, which was many years ago. You could go back and look at particular games and say, well, if this didn't happen, then this might have happened. We just don't know. So we have to kind of just go off of what has happened and ultimately Georgia does win the game. And I just wanted your, to hear your thoughts on, on that side of it. Cause I, I do completely agree. You take any star player off of a team and it may not 100% affect the outcome, but it's going to affect the way you play the game. Um, Saban probably had to, you know, dial up a few plays on the fly that, you know, were really relied on um, Williamson to be there, but taking him out of the game kind of, I, I could see it changing Nick Saban's mindset on how he went about the rest of the game. So I do completely agree with that. But it didn't stop Georgia's front seven from absolutely making Bryce Young uncomfortable. Because I'll tell you what, he I don't think he looked like the Heisman quarterback, you know, that, that he was throughout the season. And that's not to take anything away from Bryce Young. I felt like he fully deserved the Heisman this year. But, oh, absolutely. I mean, see, and that's the thing, man. You know, so, right. you know, mostly it's mostly casual fans, you know, and, you know, of course, you know, as people know, as a, when we say casual fans on this show, we mean people that, you know, watch a game, you know, here or there, or, you know, maybe they watch their team every Sunday, but that's all they do, right? They don't pay attention to other teams in the league, right? Yeah, casual sports fans. 100% deserved a husband. Yes, he was not himself. He was rattled. He was shaking. I mean, he looked like a guy that was constantly under pressure, right? And that's what it looks like. I mean, that we saw that exact same thing. All right, pause it real quick. I just remembered it. All right. Bryce Young reminded me of what Patrick Mahomes looked like in the Super Bowl last year, right? You oh, think about yeah. this. Good Had a comparison. Stellar, stellar season, right? Great season. Gets in this championship game. His O-line breaks down. He gets a lot of pressure against a great athletic defense. His, you know, receivers get hurt. He's not making, you know, accurate throws. His receivers aren't getting open. It's just, you know, just a terrible, terrible game. That's what happened. That's what it looked like out there versus Georgia. Yeah, and people didn't come out, you know, coming for Patrick Mahomes' head. You didn't see Chief fans coming out, you know, blaming, you know, Mahomes and, and everything. They all understood. It was just, it was part of the game. 
Um, the Buccaneers had a good green game plan for Mahomes as well as Georgia, and it just worked out that way. But nevertheless, it was a it was it was a great championship game, and it was a well, it was a wonderful season. I was glad to be able to go on this journey with you this season, and you get me back in the college football a little bit more. But um, one thing I did want to bring up, so you you know, no matter what, whether they're playing in the game or not, eventually throughout the evening into the next day. Uh, some fans of certain teams, and I'll go ahead and say it, my Buckeyes are going to come out of the woodwork and have a reason to defend themselves. Okay. Even though they didn't have anything to do with this game in particular, I'm going to talk about last year's national championship game. All right. So people want to not supposedly anybody in general, you know, I'm not going to say any names. I don't know anybody for sure that said this, but just kind of scrolling through Twitter, I saw the trend of people's feeling sorry for Alabama and saying they would have won this game. And you just don't know that with the injuries, Ohio state, you know, last year had many players hurt going into the championship game. They weren't able to really practice. And Trey sermon goes out on the very first play of the game. And nobody showed any sympathy for Ohio state. They got beat by Alabama, ran out of the building and it was sec over big 10. Like they always make it out to be. But it just goes to show that missing key players from certain games is very important because you always want to go up against the best players. You know, you don't ever want to see anybody get hurt. I don't care what team you're watching. I don't care what team you're rooting against. You still want to see their best players play because that's where it matters the most. You know what I mean? I, I just think it's, a, it's, it's better for the game when all the players play. But you can't necessarily go back and say... Um, that the outcome would have been different. Cause you just don't know. Like we, we don't know. We can't go back in time with a time machine and say, all right, if he played, if this player played, if that player played, then it would be any different. So I understand where you're, where you were trying to explain before. So I was just kind of adding to it. I had to throw my Buckeyes in there as well, just to kind of add, add to that side as well. But uh, they, they, they came out in full force after the championship game. Absolutely. You know, like you said, that you, you want the, the best players out there and, you know, you're you're not going to use that as an excuse of why you didn't win. Right. Nick Saban, you know, didn't come out and say, well, you know, if we'd have had Jameis Williams and John Mechie, you know, we'd have won this game for sure. No, nope. he said, you know, Georgia played hard. We didn't play up to the best of our ability. We didn't finish the game to our ability. You know, congrats to them. And that's that's what it is. No, I was never raised like that as a fan. You know, as, as tough as being a Cleveland sports fan as it is, it's tough enough. I only blame refs, not players <laughs> doing a little laugh in there because I thought it was funny, but all right, Matt, uh, we have a lot to talk about on the show today. We're going to get a couple things about LSU. Um, a few more small things on my Ohio state Buckeyes. Then we're going to get into the NFL. There's a couple uh coach firings kind of turn some heads a little bit. And then we have six NFL games this weekend from Saturday to Monday. So we're going to dive into those games. Of course, make our picks. So, Matt, I'll let you lead the way on some LSU news. Well, this week, um, actually the same day, um, and then actually today, about 30 minutes ago, LSU got three defensive back transfers. Um, it's a position of need, which, you know, it's hard to say, especially, you know, knowing history of LSU and DBU. Oh, yeah. um, but, especially you know, Dan Stingley, you know, declares for the draft. Um, Eli Ricks uh, obviously transferred to Alabama. 
Uh, Cordell Flight, one of our corners, enters the transfer portal. Um, Rondell Jones enters the transfer portal. And then if I'm the last one was, I'm sorry, Dwight McGlarvin. Sorry, his name just was escaping me there for a second. Who a lot of people was high on after Derek Singley went down. He played really good in place of him. Everyone thought, you know, he was going to be that guy that next year took that step to jump into the first round as a defensive back from LSU. Um, but he surprisingly entered the portal. So he desperately needed to go out and get guys, not only guys, but guys with experience. Yes. The first two, Joe Fauci. Um from louisiana new orleans kid he has been at arkansas the last four years and he started the last three years um just a little bit on his stats last year as a safety now he had seven and a half tackles for loss and two interceptions um for arkansas which you know it's it's great you know like i said it, his his stats aren't just eye-popping they're just really good stats he was he's a really good solid football player like i said he has three years of starting experience in the sec that's huge um, but the biggest needs wasn't at safety. We're pretty good there, but it was at corner. And we went out and got Makai Garner, um, transferred from ULL here in Louisiana as well. Oh, ah, Louisiana Lafayette, um, yeah. The thing about him, though, which is the most intriguing, I think he is the most intriguing signing out of all these guys, right? He was an awesome belt DB last year, um, or this year, should I say, for the Raging Cajuns. Um, before that, he was a JUCO guy. Out of high school, he had zero stars. Like, he, he didn't have none. He went to JUCO, was there a few years, got offered by the Raging Cajuns, and then been there the last two years. And then this year, he made that leap to be even better. So the way I'm looking at it is I love these type of players, right? You think back of yeah. Clyde Edwards-Solaire. He was a three-star um, kid that came to LSU. You think of way back to Honey Badger. I think he was a three-star, maybe a two-star coming out of high school. Um, his only major Power Five offer, well, big school, let's put it that way, was LSU. Um, so and not then that Justin five... Jefferson obviously was a two star. And now you look at what them guys do, have done. So basically, um, what you're saying is not that guy. I'm, I'm sorry. Training. Go ahead. What is it? No, I'll let you finish up. I just said something really exciting this year. I was just going to kind of add on to your where you're mentioning two star and three star recruits. So you're basically saying players with five star, you know, ratings, they're not going to play any less hard or than two or three star recruits but i just feel like those players that are walk-ons uh, transfers from um jeku colleges and things like that i feel like they're just going to have a little bit of an extra edge to play for you know they're they're very humbled and they're just very excited to get their opportunity of what's in front of them and i believe you know players like that are going to be successful at the college level and beyond because of their motivation and them playing with a chip on their shoulder. That's all I wanted to add. I apologize. I just wanted to no, throw no, that no, in absolutely. there for you. No, 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 absolutely. I 100% agree. Like I said, I remember I told you a few weeks back that, you know, I would always prefer LSU to go after those, you know, three and four stars here in Louisiana over the, you know, five and, you know, some four stars out of state. I know you have to recruit out of state, right? Um, but with all the talent in Louisiana at a lot of positions, especially, you know, athletes as in like, you know, running backs, receivers, DB safeties, linebackers, defensive linemen, um, we, we, you get those kids, right. That's kind of underrated maybe in, in their aspect and maybe altogether underrated, but you get them, they're from Louisiana. They want to represent this state. They want to play for LSU. Of course, right. right. And another so thing for I, perspective. I love it, like you said, because they have that edge. They have that fire, that spunk. And and that's what I think Gardner's going to bring, right? Like I said, he was an awesome belt DB last, last this year. My bad. I keep saying last year, even though the season just ended, right? That's already last um, year. No. It is, right? That 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 year thing's throwing me off. 
Um, but I'm, I'm very excited about him because I think he has a chance to come in and start right away, maybe. Um, I mean, he, he has all the athletic ability. He's really high on PFF's grade. Um, they, they liked him. He was actually the DB of the week for PFF one week this year. Um, I love it. The other one, Greg Brooks Jr., another Louisiana kid from Arkansas um, that's transferring over. He started 30 games in the last three years for Arkansas. Oh, he's got experience big, then, absolutely. Big addition. He has a lot of experience. I mean, like I said, he's also a defensive back, so that brings more starting experience to a position that needs it. Now, like I said, both these dudes has a chance to start. Um, we did sign two defensive backs from Louisiana that are really, really talented that, you know, are going to want to compete right away. LaTerrence Welch is one of them. He came out and said, you know, no cockiness stuff, but I'm ready to compete right away. Um, which yeah, you love, love those that. type of things, oh, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. you know, it's just very exciting. I ain't going to spend too much time on it, but, you know, LSU adds three very talented, very experienced players to their defense back room, which they really needed. So I'll add one more thing to that as well before we move on. Um, so basically what you're saying without putting words in your mouth is you're not worried about winning the national signing day. You know, a team like Texas A&M, you know, had the most... Was it, uh, was it the most recruits, like the highest-ranking recruits coming in? We'll, we'll have to see how they're going to do this year. That doesn't always mean squat, just because you were the number one uh, team out of all the other ones to get the most, you know, I like mean, five-star I, I, recruits. Absolutely, right? I mean, you think back of Georgia as well, right? Not counting this year, Georgia had a top-five class like every year since Kirby Smart's been there. This year was the first year they finally broke through and won the national championship. Um, you know, it, it doesn't always guarantee success. Now, it's, you know, you're definitely going to compete, right? I mean, you, obviously, Georgia oh, has sure. been competitive and really good every year um, since Kirby's been there. But that doesn't guarantee success. I mean, Alabama this year has signed one of the highest recruiting classes. I mean, Texas A&M, I bet, ever before, man. I mean, they have six five-stars, 19 four-stars, and three three-stars, according to 247 Sports. They're their number one overall class with a 328.82 rating class. The next closest is Alabama at 317. Wow. See, it's just perspective for the, like you said, lack of a better word, casual fan that doesn't get to watch every game, but they, they see on, you know, pro football focus or CBSers or some college Twitter handle that they're posting that Texas A&M won the uh, recruiting battle. It's like, okay, well, they're, they're going to be the best team next year, right? No, that doesn't always mean the case. So I know you're not worried as LSU fan for, for getting the most recruits. You're more or less looking at, all right, th this guy is going to fill in for this key position that this team needs. You're, you're taking care of all of your needs, for one. You're doing it in-house, and you're doing it in your state. So that's, that's awesome. And then you're also getting recruits, um, I'm sorry, transfers from interconference, which is even more important because you're going to get a little bit of um, – uh, players with um, experience in the SEC. So that that makes it even better, I believe. So I, I think the road that LSU's on is working out pretty well so far. And we haven't even gotten to the next season yet. So I think you're in good hands for now. And we're actually not even done. LSU is still going to get guys in the transfer portal. There's a lot of sure. interesting guys I think they're going to take a sword sure. at. Yeah, the um, season some just ending. big names. Um, one, Jalen Billingsley from Alabama. Um, he entered the transfer portal. A lot of people, you know, mid-season, beginning of the season, thought he was going to be a first-round pick. Um, so, you know, interesting to see if they maybe take a swing as him. You know, we don't necessarily need a tight end. We have Jack Besh and 
Um, excuse me, the name just escaped me for a second. While you're doing that, I have another point or two. It just kind of cracked me up a little bit. That so okay, you'll take players from Alabama, but gosh forbid a player ever leaves LSU and goes to Alabama. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that I like <laughs> them just like foaming at the mouth at wanting to get him right because obviously if there's problems at Alabama, maybe it's something deeper because obviously he was playing yeah, or maybe he wasn't point. as much as he wanted. Um, but I don't like it. But I mean, like I said, yes, I hate it. But you, you have to. It's a double-edged sword. Remember what we said. You know, remember I said that at the same time. What well, I said at the flip side, if an Alabama player came to LSU, I'd be really happy. Um, so it's it's definitely a double-edged sword, right? I just think you know when you look at it, a position of someone that's starting and really, really good, like as in first-round pick, good. It's it's a little different, right? Than maybe someone that is homesick, right, as in play of these guys from Arkansas. Obviously, they've been starting. They're just homesick. I mean, because Arkansas was better than LSU this year, so it doesn't really say, oh, mm -hmm. they want to go to a better team, right? Um, right. So that, that's just all I'm putting. I, I see what you're saying, though, and guilty as charged. Yes, I am furious <laughs> about that, but it's a double-edged sword, man. You got to take advantage of it, you know, because other teams are. That's a great point, especially if they're leaving Alabama. There's... There's got to be some reason because you know the, the standard over there is you know pretty significant. So for for a player, I, I would understand if you know there's too much room, you know that they thought they weren't going to get as many players at one position, but they ended up kind of overstaffing that position. So I would definitely see you know a player leaving if they feel they have a better opportunity elsewhere, and I'm sure Nick Saban would agree with that too. But I get your point if they're leaving Alabama that's most likely there's a there's a specific reason so it's good to dive in first before you go and make that transfer to your team I I get it I get it but one thing that I wanted to point out and I'm not going to play schedule game it is way too early we were actually coming off of the week of the national championship game the Ohio State Buckeyes released their schedule this year Matt for next year and I'm looking through it and I'll pull it up for everybody to see and those of you listening on Spotify, you're not going to be able to see it. So I'll just kind of run through it real quick if you haven't seen it yet. So we open against Notre Dame. All right, cool. You know, we get that opening game, you know, a, a real opportunity to, you know, take care of a pretty decent team. So they're home against Notre Dame. And then I'm looking through it. Okay, they're home against Arkansas State. They're home against Toledo. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're playing a couple of those teams. And they get rid right in the conference play. But they're home against Wisconsin home against Rutgers. And I'm like, I'm starting to think that there's a trend here. I'm like, wait, okay. They play at Michigan state on October 8th. That's their first road game of the season. They play five straight home games. They play a road game against Michigan state. Then they're back home against Iowa. Finally, they, they played two road games against Penn state and Northwestern. Then they're home against Indiana at Maryland. And then they finish up the finale against team up North. Matt, they have eight home games this next year. Eight. I think Nebraska has five home games next year. Told you, man, it's a rigged league. <laughs> they won't Ohio State in the title game. All right, enough of that. Enough. No, of that. no, no. Obviously, it's a joke. <laughs> it is definitely a, a weird schedule, right? Definitely one Ohio. You know, Ohio State fans are looking at it and they're thinking, "Oh yeah, baby." Um, I mean, you get, you know, obviously you get Michigan at home this year. you got to go on the road to Penn State. That's going to be a tough game. Always it always tough. is. Always tough. you got to go on the road to Michigan State. Um, but, you know, you do get Iowa, um, Wisconsin, 
Rutgers. I mean, if you want to bring them up. Oh, um, thank goodness we don't play Purdue you know. this year. But, you know, that, that first game against Notre Dame, I think is going to be the most interesting. Yeah. Notre Dame's going to, you know, obviously be, be very, very, very physical in that game. Um, They're going to be playing hard. I think Marcus Freeman is going to have that defense playing good, even losing Kyle Hamilton. Um, So that, I think that's the game that you can't overlook, right? Um, You know, most people will say, oh, well, you know, it's Notre Dame. They always choke in big games. But Early they're in the also season, Notre Dame, too, but... and sometimes they may actually be good. Well, just one one comment I wanted to point out. You could actually see on my screen that I liked it. This is the season to have season tickets as a Buckeyes fan, and I would agree with that. You get eight home games in a season, you're going to have a pretty happy season as a season ticket holder. So. Oh, absolutely. If you're a season ticket holder, you're just thinking, oh, my God, Saturdays are going to be packed full this year. All right, Matt, that's going to wrap up our college segment of the day. Just wanted to go over a few things, like as far as the championship game, the season is officially over. We're getting into, obviously, still the transfer part of the season. Schedules are coming out. We're going to play schedule games, this and that. And we are looking forward to another exciting season in college football. Are you ready to move over to the NFL side? Yes, sir. Sure am. Let's do it. We'll start off with... Uh, since our last show, you know, there were a few, as many as five uh, coach firings. We had a, a few head scratchers on certain coaches that weren't fired. And it ends up coming to fruition. Uh, Joe Judge gets fired as the Giants coach after David Gettleman retires. And one surprise move, David Culley um, was fired from the Houston Texans. So lots of moving parts over there in Houston that we're going to keep our eyes on, especially with uh, their offense and seeing what happens next season with them. But just wanted to kind of start off with that. What are your thoughts on uh, these coach firings as of this week? See, this is the one that's kind of been a head scratcher because, right, like they were bad. They were 4-13. and 13. Obviously, they were, wasn't good. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have Deshaun Watson, obviously, right? That's, that's the big X factor. Two, you didn't really have a good roster. I mean, you know, Bill O'Brien did not Ooh. leave this team in a good state. Whatever no, he did David Cully inherited it last year. He you, did not. You no, know, Deshaun Watson not wanting to play. You have DeAndre Hopkins that were traded for a second round pick. You have JJ Watt, right, who released and signed with the Cardinals. You released Whitney Merciless, who is now on Green Bay, about to play in the playoffs if he gets cleared. You, who was the other one? You let go of Zach Cunningham, who is now on the Rams, um, going to be in the playoffs. I mean, you just – it was not a lot of good this year for the Texans, but there was some, right? I think he made the most of the situation that he had to work with. Oh, I mean, like I said, you had no Watson. You had a pretty bad roster besides a few pieces. I mean, Rex Burkhead is, you know, your best running back and, you know, on your team. I mean, that's not really that good. Um, you traded Mark Ingram to the Saints. Um, one positive, I guess you could say, would, was Brandon Cooks, right? He was an absolute animal this year, which he's very, very underrated, if I had to say. He does nothing but produce, but he gets passed around NFL teams like crazy. But I even don't understand him, it. even him coming out and starting to tweet some things after Ingram got traded, which kind of showed how the locker room was was kind of. But I agree. I feel like the locker room, for, for what Coley had to work with, I feel like he made, I don't want to even say the most of it, we did what he could. He even won a um, a key divisional game towards the end of the season, which kind of showed that he still had somewhat of a grip on the team. I just felt 
they just felt that um, they were ready to move on from him and, and start fresh as you're right. Bill O'Brien did not leave a, a crumb in that locker room for them to work with once he departed. I mean, not at all. Right. And like I said, you know, a lot of that, I think about the Brandon coach rumbling mid season was because he was talked about as a big trade target. I know he was rumored to green Bay a lot. I know the Rams were another place, even though he's been there um, before they got Odell. Um, the Raiders as well, maybe before they got Deshaun Jackson. Just I think maybe he's at a point in his career as well where he knows, okay, look, I'm a really good receiver. I'm not super elite, right? But I'm really good. I'm gonna be a thousand y- you know, yard oh, guy. Very good complimentary receiver, right? He's not yeah, number one. Absolutely. But he he he's a great number underrated. two. Could be number one depending on the offense, right? If you have other great guys around him. I think he wants out as well, right? I think he's in that situation where, you know, you may not only lose Watson this year, but you could lose Cooks as well. Um, but I understand it. I don't agree with it, right? I think maybe you give him another year with his draft and free agent class, maybe see what he does, and if they're still really terrible, fire him. Um, but you know, here, here we go again. The Houston Texans—they're not absolutely, you know, necessarily the Ugh. best franchise. They did give Brock Osweiler like what seventy million dollars. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Oh, but Joe Judge—I don't know how this didn't happen Monday, Matt. He gets fired. And Giants fans have relief. You know, when you're doing a wishbone formation on third and eight from your own four yard line, that is Hugh Jackson esque. Okay. <laughs> like you just, you, you, you can't survive that, especially in New York where everybody's paying attention to you. It's not going to go unnoticed. Not at all, dude. I mean, that's like, you know, I brought up Monday when we did the show. You know, I brought up Brian Flores compared to, you know, Joe Judge the last two years. Joe Judge went 10 and 23 the last two years. Over the last two years, his team is dead last in points per game, offensive, offensive efficiency, dead yards per play, last. and a bunch of other stats. I mean, how can you be last and dead last now in every one of those categories when you have Saquon Barkley, when you have Kadarius Toney, he's a pretty good weapon, when you have Sterling Shepard, when you have... Kennedy Godley. How, by the way, how does Kennedy Godley, seventy million dollar receiver, and Kadarius Tony, first round receiver, uh, have zero touchdowns? Oh, uh, I mean that just screams pain. dysfunctional, and they haven't been good. This has been overdue. The Giants have a double win here with Day Gettleman, you know, you know, you know, doing the finger quotations, retired Monday, right, and now Joe Judge is fired. That's that's a win win for them. New York is a big city. It's a it's a it's a place where people want to win. It's a place if you do win, all hell's gonna break loose because of the support you will have being in New York. I think they absolutely have to knock this hire out of the park, right? Being in New York, being a team that has not been that good over the last few years, when you have good pieces on the team, I think you have to go out get a get a big name. Yeah, you know, this Jim is a Harbaugh, big football get a Brian team. Flores, and then get your team on the track to win. You have to also replace the quarterback, by the way. They haven't been right since they took that photo on the boat before the playoff game. <laughs> Honestly, and it's it's just incredible. They are the New York football giants. Bill Parcells, like Phil Sims, even. Like the it's it's a historic franchise and it's just completely in shambles. Not that I'm, you know, not happy about it because I, you know, I don't like the New York teams. If there was one team though, I I do enjoy the giants a little bit and it's just unacceptable for them to be dead last in every category i could see you know 15 16 to maybe even 25th ranking in some stats 
Well, you nailed it, man. They have Saquon Barkley. They got a few playmakers around on the offensive side, especially, and they just keep. Oh, they just cannot, cannot, cannot play like it's, that. And and that's the thing, man. That everyone thought Joe Judge was going to be this guy, right? Your special teams isn't even in the top 10 and you was a special teams coordinator before you became the head coach. That is also one thing I pay attention to as well. If you're a defensive coordinator and you get a head coaching job and your defense is terrible, that's not good. Same with offense. And bringing up the boat picture since the boat picture, the giants are on their fourth head coach and they haven't had a winning season in five years. Unbelievable. The curse of the boat lives on. Oh, the Jets too, man. The Jets are so bad, but they bring back Robert Salah. And I, I think that's good because, you know, he, he had one year. I think he deserves at least another year. You know, and you he's, can't just he's fire an a coach absolutely brilliant year. head coach too. I mean, if you talk to a lot of people around the league, you, you know, not only, you know, coaches and GMs, but players and then, you know, other people in the league. When I say other people in the league, other coaches in the league, he's a great defensive mind. I think he just got inherited a terrible situation with a bad roster, right? It's going to take a year or two. People, this is what people don't understand. You're not going to go to a team like the Jets or the Texans, you know, and go from, you know, two, three, four wins to eight, nine, ten wins in the playoffs. It's, it's just not going to happen. You don't have that roster in play. It's the not that easy, right? The difference in Brandon Staley being a rookie coach and going almost to the playoffs this year when they were bad, is because he inherited a really good coach, I mean, team that was held back by coaching. You could even throw in Dan Campbell in there, too. Like, it was kind of as the season went on, the teams were starting to not fall in love with the Lions, but kind of just, like, feeling for them. And he had that team playing so hard, and that's what you want out of a coach. And eventually, maybe they could turn the corner, and they're obviously going to improve next season, I would believe. I don't think they're going to do much worse than they, they did this season. But they still seem to play hard every game, and that's what you want out of a coach. And I just don't think that there was anything close with Joe Judge and, and the Giants. Just kind of drawing that to a conclusion as perspective. Absolutely, man. And it's like I said, you know, Dan Campbell inherited a terrible situation as well. Matthew Stafford, you know, obviously traded, you know, a, a, a not a really good roster. You know, you drafted some really good players that stepped up. Amon Rant, St. Brown, Pinnell Sewell. Penny Sewell, maybe I'm, I probably butchered that. My bad. Sewell, Sewell. Um, they like they that. played hard. They they absolutely played hard. They love Dan Campbell. That's why you haven't heard no rumblings of him being fired because they're in this for the long haul, right? They're gonna give him, you know, two maybe three years and see what he can actually do. Now, of course, if they're you know back in this situation next year with only one two wins, maybe they think about it. But like you said, I think they take a step. I think they're a little bit better next year than they are this year. But we'll have to see. Well, if there's a season you do it, it's the first year, right? You set the bar. I don't want to say low, but you you set the bar for the season. They had the season that they did, and they're moving forward with it. If they see progression throughout next season, then that's when you can tell that a, a coach deserves to stay there. It's when they start regressing. When they take a step back consistently is when you're like, okay, we got to make some changes here. So I, I agree. Um, but one thing I'm going to bring up as well. Uh, we do appreciate everybody being involved with our Twitter page. And we, and I will give Matt the credit for this, who's been able to um, fortunately throw these up for us. And we've been doing more polls lately because we love polls. We love seeing people's thoughts on different games and things like that. So with all the playoff games coming up this weekend, 
Um, the results are in for the games, and now we'll go over these uh, before we make our picks. And we're going to talk about the games as we make our picks, as we always do. So we'll break down each game for you. We'll make our picks in the end. And let's get rolling on these polls. So Matt posted, who wins this wildcard matchup, the Buccaneers or the Eagles? And 92.3% expectedly voted the Buccaneers to win this game over the Eagles. Expected. I would say so because honestly, when I made the when I when I made the polls, you know, because I did them all up in the draft and just posted them over a couple of days, I thought that was going to be the most lopsided one, and so far it is. And rightfully so. I mean, the Eagles. We we could talk about these games as we do the polls too. Um, the Eagles. Did, did you see the list of quarterbacks the Eagles play this year in games that they won versus games that they lost? It's not good, I don't think. Yeah, well, just, just to name a few. So in the games that they won, they <laughs> beat a quarterback by the name of Heineke, of course, who plays for Washington football team. Amongst other players like that, they, they beat, um, you know what? I wish I, I had it earlier in my head. I'm going to have to go and look at their calendar. But anyway, so perspective, right? They, they, they beat a Washington football team. They lose to a Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, like those kind of guys. All right. So you're, you're kind of seeing where I'm getting at. So they won the games, I guess, that they should have won. And they lost the games that they weren't expected to win. I know the playoffs are different, but come on. You're playing the Buccaneers team coming off of a Super Bowl win. I know they're not the same team as they were last year. Buccaneers are at home. They're probably the highest point favorite besides the Chiefs and Steelers game. So rightfully so. 92.3% for the Buccaneers, 7.7% for the Eagles. All right. Yeah, that like I said, that was that was the one I thought was going to be the most lopsided. Now, this next game, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a closer poll race because of the the biased fans that we have in our community. But <laughs> the Chiefs and Steelers game, all right? Who wins this wild card matchup? There was uh oh, on the last game, I'm sorry, there was 13 votes. Thank you for that. And then in this game, uh, the Chiefs and Steelers, there was eight votes. 75% voted for the Chiefs. 25% voted for the Steelers. As far as this game goes, you know, Ben Roethlisberger came out and he pulled the okey-doke. You know what an okey-doke is, Matt? <laughs> he came out and said, yeah, we have no shot in this game. We have no chance. We're not even supposed to be here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Let's just have fun. <laughs> Let's just have fun. Uh, not true. Not true at all. I think they have a chance. I don't think it's a, That's not know, a very, super high chance. Right. But there's always a chance in the NFL. Of course. You never know. You never know. I mean, it just reminds me not to you know bring up the Browns or anything, but just kind of going back. I think I've told this story on this show before. But in 1999, this is so Steelers, by the way. This is so Pittsburgh football. Back in 99, the Browns came back. You know, they got their team back and they played their first game. And it was a nationally televised game at night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh 
told because he was really close with the Browns media, being a former player and coach. He he tells he tells the Cleveland um, administration, "Don't show us on the jumbotron. Don't introduce us. This is your guys's night. You guys have the fun. This is your guys's night. Welcome back to the league, and so on." So they said, "Okay, thanks." You want to know what Bill Cower did? He strolled back into the Steelers' locker room. And he yelled at his players. These guys have no respect for you. They're not even going to show you on the jumbotron or introduce you. We're going to come out and we're going to whoop the Browns ass. And they came out and won like 51 to nothing. That is what the mindset of Ben Roethlisberger is right now. They want the Chiefs to take the Steelers lightly. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely won't their team feeling that underdog mentality right they want them playing with a chip on their shoulder and i mean this is what it is right they know right they're not going to be counted as a fair shot to win this game they know everyone's going to choose the chiefs they know you know oh you know ben roethlisberger isn't playing the best they have patrick mahomes they have tyree kill blah 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 i think they're going to come out and play super hard i think they're going to give it all they got right Maybe that's enough. Maybe it isn't. We'll have to see. We could argue all day about it, too. We could say all oh, the Chargers deserve to get in. The Raiders, or the, um, not the Raiders, I'm sorry. Um, just among other teams, the Colts that were close in that race deserve to get in over the Steelers. They're the better team. Well, you should have won the games that you should have won at the end of the season. You controlled your own destiny, and you lost the games. Pittsburgh got their chance to go in. So I'm just leaving it at that. I'm, you, we could talk about it all day. But in the end, the Steelers played the schedule that they did, and it was good enough for them to get into the playoffs. That's why we have standings and division games and, and things like that that control tiebreakers. So they're they're the team that's in, and I just know they're not going to go down without a fight. They're not going to just roll over. Are you kidding me? Ain't no way. Ain't no way. All right, Matt. Uh, moving on to... Uh, who wins this wildcard matchup between the Raiders? 44.4%. This was a lot closer than I thought, too. Versus the Bengals at 55.6%. We had nine votes on that, so thank you. And, you know, I, I figured that one and the one above it, the Cowboys 49ers, I figured those would probably be the two closest, right? Because I feel like those are the two closest matchups yeah. this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. They're not really... Well, the Cardinals and Rams divisional game, Um, it's only a four-point yeah, spread. But... I, I do see what you mean. Yeah, I agree. But that's where those votes ended up. And then the Cowboys and 49ers. Um, so the Cowboys at 44.4% and the Cowboys at 55.6%. That one also had nine votes as well. So thank you again, everybody, for voting. We really appreciate you being involved in our And we also polls. have two more up for the last two games of the season. We yep. just put those up today. So I am moving on up. Yeah, so vote. those ones they have about 20 hours left. You can still vote. I will put the link in the chat here for everybody. Or you could just go to at POM underscore sports. But so far, the Bills lead the Patriots here 60 to 40. There's five votes done on that one. And then six votes on the Rams versus Cardinals. The Rams lead 66.7% to the Cardinals, 33.3%. 
So with only a, a few votes, those with one click can change a lot of things. So we're looking forward to those results as well. All right, Matt, do you want to get into these games and talk about them and make our picks? How does that sound? Absolutely. I'm excited. All right. We are going to start with, I'm just going to start in order of the games. The very first matchup, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, the 10-7 and 7 Raiders take on the 10-7 and 7 Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Bengals are five and a half points in this game. And Matt, this is a real opportunity for Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase to get their feet wet in the playoffs. The Bengals have not won a playoff game since the 90s. And I don't believe they've won a road playoff game since the, since the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. But let's talk about this game a little bit here. This is going to be a really, really good game, man. And this is another little tidbit I want to bring in. Speaking of Joe Burrow, you know, he's had, a, obviously, a really, really phenomenal season. A lot of people have, you know, has he picked as their MVP. I still think, you know, it's, you know, Brady Rodgers. But I think he's right there at three, maybe four, depending on where you view Joe. You got to have him around four, yeah. Um, Joe Burrow has played in six have to have it games in his career. And what we mean by have to have it is games where, you know, if you lose, it basically changes the whole trajectory of your season and how it's playing out. Right. Like must win games. Okay. Absolutely. In 2019 at LSU at Alabama versus Georgia in the SEC title game versus Oklahoma in the national playoff semifinal versus Clemson in the national championship game. So those Obviously, are must win games to move on. Last year, so he didn't really have these games to do it. But this year in 2020, fully healthy. Ravens, week 16. Chiefs, week 17. Those were two games back to back that they had to have to win the division and then to get a you know really good spot in the playoffs. In those games, Joe Burrow is six and zero. Wow. He has 2,669 passing yards. That's 444 yards a game. He has 27 touchdowns and zero interceptions. Wow. How about that? Very so this impressive. Is, this is a team that's coming in hot. This is a team coming in fire. This is a team coming in with a quarterback that has experience in these big, big games, more so, you know, on the college level than the NFL level, but he's had those games this year. I think I'm picking the Bengals. That's my pick. I'm oh, going you with them. I went with them now. a lot this year. Okay. They've let me down sometimes, but they haven't as well. They're rolling hot. Joe Burrow just he gets in this different mind when it's these type of games and atmosphere. And now not to say that they will, you know, automatically is gonna win, but I'm taking the Bengals here at home by touchdown. Matt takes the Bengals at home by touchdown. All right, I'm gonna give the Raiders a little love and I kind of cringe a little bit when I say that. And I just said cringe too. So wow, that's that's pretty bad. <laughs> The Raiders made the playoffs, Matt. And I can hear Hapster coming in right now and saying, I told you so, I told you so. And you know what? You were right. But we didn't think it was going to be because of the adversity that they overcame. Uh, tremendous all-around season for the for the Raiders. They come in at the as the fifth seed. Um, Bengals are the fourth seed, obviously. And just kind of looking at the Raiders, Derek Carr has played well enough to get his team to the playoffs. He's had a couple come from behind uh, victories. He's just kind of doing what he had to do to get things done. And that's why we feel this game is going to be pretty close. Uh, Matt says a touchdown. I, I would say this game's at five and a half point spread, right? looks like. 
Um, I'm taking the Bengals by a field goal, though. Give me the Bengals. They finally come back and get their uh, playoff win. They're not playing the Chargers this year in the playoffs because I know the, the Bengals would have been sweating all those all those years, a few years ago with Andy Dalton, that they had to play the Chargers in the first round and the Chargers would end up winning. So I'm taking the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals would win, and I'm just showing the, the bracket as we make our picks. And you're going to see teams move around depending on their seeding. Um, the lower seed would obviously play the higher seed, and that's how it works in the NFL. All right, we both take the Bengals, Matt. Let's move over to the 8-15 game on Saturday. Big divisional playoff game. Um, these two teams split each other's matchups earlier in the season because they played twice. The 10-7 and Patriots take on the 11-6 and Buffalo Bills. By the way, one thing I noticed, all home teams, of course, are favored in these games. But Bills are favored by four. Matt, really big game here, man. Who you get... Uh, uh, before you before you make your pick, let's talk about this game. This game here, dude, is probably bring one of the one. most exciting, but most like and games this weekend. The reason I say that is because this is going to be a really defensive driven game. I think. I mean, both times these teams have played, it has been. Um, they both play each other really closely, really, really close. I mean, this. This game here has a chance to to be that underdog pick. I think whoever wins this game has a chance to get to the AFC Championship. Ah. I think both of these teams are really good. Um, the Patriots obviously have the disadvantage at quarterback. I'd say you trust Josh Allen more, right, because he's been in this situation boy, before he's been in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. He's not a rookie. You obviously have a better offense with the Bills, but the Patriots play really good ball, especially when they're running the ball. <sighs> One tidbit I'm going to bring up about this game. You did, yes. The over has hit in four of the last five games between the Bills and the Patriots in which the game took place after the Patriots won the game before. I mean, oh. lost the game before to the Bills. Overs Club, are you listening over there? That's a very good stat. I have I'm a tidbit take as Patriots. well. Oh! That I'm, I'm going to let you talk about it and say this, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and go ahead and give my pick now. I'm going to take the Patriots. I think a lot of people's writing them off. I know some people's giving them respect, right, because this is a division game. But I see a lot of people, you know, Bills, Chiefs, AFC Championship game, Bills, you know, Bengals, AFC Championship game, Bills versus Packers in the Super Bowl, Bills versus Bucks in the Super Bowl. And I just think you've got to kind of slow down there. You've got a big challenge coming into town this year with Bill Belichick. I would say... As far as the Bills go, if they were matched up versus any of the other, these wildcard teams, maybe the Raiders, maybe the Bengals or the Steelers, they would have a chance. Um, I'm still giving them a chance here in this game. Look, they're, they're home. Um, we know that they had that crazy weather game in Buffalo earlier in the season, and it was very bold of Sean McDermott to come out and call Belichick out, basically telling him that he's not as good coach this year as everybody thinks he is. The Patriots went on a little bit of skid after that. Usually Bill uses that as motivation and all right, we're going to play you again. We're going to come back. We're going to beat you. And the bills backed it up. They ended up beating the Patriots in new England, something they haven't done in a long time. And now here we are uh, game three, deciding who moves on. We know the bills want to really, really, really get back to the AFC championship game. They feel they are a super bowl team. You are exactly right though. They have the quarterback edge in this game, which is very important in football. My tidbit, the Bills also have the number one rated defense in just about every category 
without one pro bowler on defense. They do not have one player in the pro bowl on defense. Wow. And they lead every category. I mean, you think about it too, right? You think of Tredavious White, Jordan Pryor, um, Michael Hyde, Tremero Edmonds. I mean, they... Pro Bowl caliber players. No, not one. That That just screams how bad fan voting tying into Pro Bowl voting is. So just for that, I'm taking the Patriots. Because like <laughs> on the NFC side where Tom Brady is, and you can even say the same about Nick Saban, just some strange way, the Patriots have a very good defense too. I feel like they're going to make Josh Allen uncomfortable in this game. Yeah, I came out with my pick. <laughs> Hyping the Bills up just to shut them down. You know, I'm a Bills, I would say not a Bills fan, but... They just had that blue collar type of atmosphere. It kind of reminds me of Browns fans. They haven't won anything in a very long time. They've never won a Super Bowl. Dude, you know, it heck, is, they've been the four it straight. It is my dream to go to a Bills game and get thrown through a table. That'd be fun. Like I Wouldn't want it? to go and let's just just let them Batista bomb me through a table. How fun would that be? Not very fun. <laughs> no, kidding. no, it would. Yeah, the experience. Uh, dude, but <laughs> get a concussion. I think and, uh, the memories. The memories would be 100% worth it, right? I don't even want to have a memory after. I went to the Bills game (laughs) and it was negative 15 degrees and I got thrown through a table. Yeah, I could see it now. You in the stands with your shirt off, painted red and blue and buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Love the fans. Love, love the Bills Mafia, man. Bills Mafia, man. They're, 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 they're wonderful. Wonderful different type of crowd but i'm taking the patriots here just because i just i can't i'm not ready to count against bill belichick yet um he's gonna come out and scheme some stuff up and i i kind of hope the bills win uh i'll kind of secretly root for them but i'm taking the patriots here i'm going with my guts all right so that's gonna wrap it up for the saturday games sunday we have a one o'clock kickoff matt and i'm kind of glad it's this game the nine and eight Eagles sneak into the playoffs after we didn't know what they were all season long. They find their way in. They travel to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are rightfully so eight and a half point favorites in this game. And here we are again, Matt, Tom Brady in the playoffs who's thrown over 188 touchdowns since he's turned 40 when Troy Aikman only threw 188 touchdowns in his career. Go. Uh-oh. This game... This game is going to be a slaughter. Oh. And when I say that, Tom Brady's going to have a lot of fun. And this isn't a complete knock on the Eagles, man. Their defensive line is really talented. Their offensive line is really, really good. One of the best in the NFL this year. But when you look at the talent that the Bucs have on their defense going up against that offensive line, you look at the secondary. I know they've had some trouble and been banged up, but they're getting people back. 
it's not going to be a great day for Jalen Hurts, I don't think. Now, I could be wrong, right? He could come out and absolutely ball and completely upset and everything. Oh, but they could go Devonta Smith, like one-man army, and carry the team. It's 100% possible. I don't, I don't see that happening. No. Um, They're going to find a way this, to take him this, out of the game. This is going to be a, yeah, I think it may be a little close to first, you know, couple minutes, you know, first 10 minutes or so. But then I think the Bucks are just going to do what they're going to do and pull away. You're never ever going to bet against Tom Brady. I remember I said it last year. I'm never going to bet against Tom Brady. I'm taking the Bucks here. They are the better team. They are in position to win this game, being at home, having a much more talented defense, having that experience of Tom Brady. I mean, if you pick the Eagles, I need to know either A, what you're smoking, or B, <laughs> what's your source for this, for this, for this betting. <laughs> Because it's got to be a good one. Uh, just a quick reminder. So the, the, those of you that are listening on Spotify and can't see the live feed of the uh, playoff bracket that I have up. So with the Patriots, if they were to beat the Bills, they would move into playing the Bengals as their matchup. If the Bills would win, they would also uh, play the Bengals, depending on the Chiefs and Steelers game. So I'll just kind of do these as we go. Just kind of show the different matchups in case the other team would win. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not much to say there. I'm taking the Buccaneers. Um, but like you said, Jalen Hurts could come out. They can, you know, completely ball on the offensive side. Their running game has been really inconsistent, so I feel like they're going to be a little bit more one-dimensional in this game, which is going to help Bruce Arians and his defense um, kind of come up with a better game plan to stop the pass. Force, um, force Eagles to run the ball. I just don't see it. I think the Buccaneers by, you know, Probably 10. I mean, it's the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I would say at least 10. So I'm taking the Buccaneers here as well. All right. That's going to take us to probably one of the biggest matchups of wildcard weekend. The 4.30 PM game is the 10 and seven San Francisco 49ers finding a way to sneak their way into the playoffs. Maybe keeping Kyle Shanahan's job. Take on the 12 and five. Dallas Cowboys, who are favored three points. They are home in Jerry World in Dallas. Let's go, Matt. Cowboys oh, back in the this, playoffs this, again. I'm not going to lie. I'm, ex- I'm really excited to watch every one of these games. Um, you know, the Bengals, of course, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And the Bills and Patriots being that divisional matchup, considering this is the third time they're going to play each other. Um, but this game here, this, this is history. I mean, you think back of all the the great '90s matchups between the 49ers and the Cowboys. Oh yeah, all oh, the yeah. legendary players that's played in this game. This rivalry, right? It hasn't really been a rivalry in 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 since the '90s, right? They haven't really played each other since then. But this is going to be a really good game. I'm so excited. I'm, what I'm hoping for, man, is both teams come out here, right? And just ball. And just ball out. When I say ball out, I mean the Cowboys defense. Javon Diggs get some interception, right? Maybe like- you see. Trey Lance sprinkled in for a quarterback run in the end zone. Debo Samuel lined up all over the field. Like a 60-yard end around. This is going to be a really exciting game. There are playmakers all over the field in this game. I and would I think take this the is going to be one of the closest matchups in the game. I think this little, little, little bet thing, if I was to bet out of all these games this week, this would be the one I'd bet that would maybe go into overtime. Oh, I could see it, absolutely. I could definitely see it. Who are you taking, Matt? I know you went back and forth in this game, as I did. I did. I did all week. I did all week. I did since the playoffs have been announced. Um, 
I'm going to go with my gut, though, and I'm going to go with the team that I thought about it and decided a couple of days ago I was going to take, and that's the 49ers. Wow. They're on the road here, tough matchups, and the Cowboys, you know, are really, really, really good, especially when Dak is playing like Dak, right? But I just think that their defense is very vulnerable. Trevon Diggs, for as good as he is for all the interceptions, he has given up the most yards this year by a cornerback in the NFL. That's, see, that's um, not gives, really been talked about When he's not getting either. interceptions, he's absolutely terrible. He gives up so many yards. And people argue, well, giving up 99 yards don't matter if you get an interception. Well, it kind of does because on the flip side, when he doesn't get an interception, you give up 99 yards. Because you're not going to give up. You're not going to get an interception every play. Unless, unless you do, then great. But, yeah, I agree. He's been giving up a lot of yards. And also the, the Dallas run defense the 49ers are going to have a field day running the ball and you know as much as we're hyping this up to be a shootout i think the 49ers control this game a little bit on the ground run some clock off control the time of possession i'm going to tell you this right now if the 49ers get more first downs and have the ball more as far as time possession goes the 49ers will win this game which is why i'm taking the 49ers as well which means this is going to be a really good game this is going to be a fun game um, C.D. Lamb, of course, Amari Cooper, but I just think that you know the 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 struggles Kyle Shanahan's going to give offensively, play calling wise, to the Cowboys. Right? I just think it's it's going to be a little too much. I think the Cowboys' defense isn't going to be able to you know get the turnovers that they necessarily used to get. Um, I think Debo Samuel's going to have a big day. I think Brandon Ayuk's going to have a big day. Um, watch out for him, sleepy sleepy underrated guy right there. Right, yeah, they haven't used them much in the during Micah the Parsons. season. Maybe they're saving Micah them for the playoffs. It's going to be a big factor in this game. I'm just going to say that if Micah Parsons is going absolutely ham, like unstoppable, unblockable, he's in the backfield getting pressures like every other play. I think this can go a different way. But like I said, I'm going to go with my gut and stay with the 49ers. All right, I'm taking the 49ers as well. So pending if the Eagles upset the Buccaneers, that means the 49ers would travel to Lambeau Field and play your Green Bay Packers in the divisional round of the playoffs. A nice rematch playoff matchup there, Matt. From an absolutely phenomenal game at the beginning of the season. Yes, can't forget about that. Absolutely. All right, that's going to take us to our Sunday night football game. Gosh, how did the Steelers get the Sunday night game in the playoffs? But anyways... The 9-7-1 Steelers travel to the 12-5 Kansas City Chiefs for Big Ben's retirement party as the Chiefs are favored 12.5 points in this game. No, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a decent game. I think it's the less favorable games between these. You could even argue the Buccaneers and Eagles game, but it's it's still, these two teams playing each other, It's it, it should still make for exciting football. Who you got? I'm going to take the Chiefs. Um, I think this is going to be kind of a better game than people think. I just think the Steelers aren't as good as the Chiefs all around. It's just not it. The Chiefs have the better quarterback. They have the better receiver and tight end. Um, they have, you know, they, they just have more talent offensively wise than the Steelers have. Now, the Steelers defense is going to come out and they're going to be a headache for Patrick Mahomes for probably the first two quarters, maybe the first three. Oh, I believe that. Um, Watt's going to be fired up, right? He just tied the single season round sack record. Um, he's going to be all over the field, right? He's probably going to get in the backfield a few times. You've got Minka Parts, um, Parsons. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick. 
I just playing better. Yeah. The overwhelming force of the Chiefs offense combined to that their defense is very underrated and has been playing lights out this year, especially getting turnovers, something that Ben Bloffelsberger has been trying to avoid a lot of. I just don't see it going their way. Here's the way I see it too, Matt. If you don't want to ever get into a shootout with the Chiefs because your defense is going to wear out, but the other side of it that I don't see really working out, the, the Steelers finding a little bit of identity and Najee Harris coming on. You know, he broke Franco Harris's record. He's been coming on, and I think the Chiefs' run defense is going to have a little bit of trouble stopping Harris in this game. But if the Steelers come out and they're going to ground and pound the ball and take six, seven-minute drives off, okay, great. You're going to do that and, what, kick a field goal? Because the Chiefs are just going to come back down and score a touchdown in four minutes. And then you look up at the scoreboard and you're down 14 to three before you know it. So you could get in a lot of trouble that way as well. And I, I just think the chiefs, like you said, just have too many weapons. And I, I think that the chiefs win by a little bit in this game. I'm taking the chiefs as well, which are playoffs in the AFC are set. It would be the Patriots travel to Mike Vabral sorry and the tennessee titans and they would be the Bengals at chiefs that Man, what a must great watch matchup TV. that would be right the i mean what, what great matchups in both both those afc games right the patriots and mike vabel both of those schemes and offensive minds kind of just play together right physical defense run the ball um, you know, Vrabel obviously played for the Patriots. You got, you know, Joey B and the exciting Bengals going to play, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the explosive Chiefs offense, you know, rematch of a, you know, super very good game earlier or earlier later in the regular season. I'm That matchup there, those matchups would honestly be probably my favorites. Now, like I said, it's not a guarantee that happens, but if those happens, those would be very, very, very good games. And Derrick Henry possibly coming back off of injured reserve as well. So looking forward to those games. And we have one game left, Matt. We have a Monday night football game in the wild card, which I'm not really the biggest fan of. I think they could have I'm threw not, a third game on Saturday, but. I'm, you know what? I'm not a biggest fan of that either because the Cardinals and Rams are going to have a short week going to a divisional game. Yeah, they'll probably have to play on a Saturday unless they schedule it for Sunday. But most even then, likely, it's still short Most week. likely a short week on the road. Um, not like oh. you said, unless, you know, they play, you know, on a Sunday. But if they draw that Saturday slate, that's a big, big disadvantage. Especially, you know, right, if the Cowboys say the Cowboys beat the 49ers, then the winner of the Cardinals and Rams would come to us. And, the you know, Cowboys would play the Buccaneers. Um, you, you come to Lambeau on a short week. Fits. It's not going to be good. But I'll tell you what, as far as this game goes, um, we can say on behalf of the Cardinals side, speaking of them first, they haven't really been the same since they lost to the Packers. All right, I know they handled a little bit with injuries. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury has not had a good track record in the month of December. You know, you could even carry that into January. But this is a divisional game, and that's why it's properly... What's the line? Four? I think that's, I think that's about right. Divisional game in the playoffs. It doesn't get much better than that. You know, like the Patriots and Bills, the Cardinals and Rams are going to find themselves in a situation where it's going to come down the coaching. I think both teams have 
pretty more than decent while quarterbacks. We know the Rams added OBJ. You know, everybody's excited to see how he does in the playoffs since he's played with New York. And it's just going to depend on, I would say, defense, getting stops on third downs, controlling the the field, you know, where, where, the, where the field is going to be. Like when you have to punt, you know, are you going to have good field position or not? And I'm always a big, I, I'm, a, I'm a Sean McVay fan, but he'll burn all three of his timeouts in the third quarter. And sometimes that comebacks to haunt him. We know that he, throughout his career, as he was what forty five and zero when leading after halftime up until a couple games ago when that streak was finally snapped, so he's not invincible and I think he was exposed a little bit there. But what are your thoughts in this game? Um, you you've touched on a lot of good points. This is a divisional game, just like the Patriots and Bills, right? This is a team playing um, each other for the third time. Both teams split the games this year in the regular season. Ultimately, like you said, I think this is going to come down to teams with, you know, more talent um, and, and better coaching. Now, I know the Rams probably have the better talent on paper, but don't sleep on the Cardinals. You're getting more than likely J.J. Watt back um, for this game, and if not this game, and if you win, most likely the next game after that in the divisional round. Boy, that would be huge. Um, Collar's back. Um, you know, I, this is going to be, I think a really good game. I know I said that about all of them, but I think this is going to be a game that's going to come down to the trenches. A chess match. I think this is a game that's going to come down to who's more physical. And I'm just, it's going to be the Rams. I'm taking the Rams in this one. I was going to maybe lean the Cardinals, but the more I thought about it, the more I think about Aaron Donald, the more I think about Jalen Ramsey. And it's it's just a tough matchup. So I'm going to go with the Rams at home. Another thing um, that we all know already though, the Rams went all in to get Aaron Donald. And this is the situation that they're in now. And let's let's see how they use it. Of course, they want to desperately try so hard to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, come on, it's in LA. Who wouldn't want the Rams in the Super Bowl this year? But they have to get through a lot of a lot of things in order for that to happen. And that starts with obviously this week against the Cardinals. But if they win, they would play the Buccaneers next week. So our playoff matchups are set according to our predictions. Um, we all, of course, make the same picks this week, which is totally fine. And was kind of thinking that that might end up happening. But the playoff matchups would be the number six Patriots, the number one Titans, the number four Bengals versus the number two Chiefs, the number six 49ers versus the number one Green Bay Packers. The number four Rams versus the number two Buccaneers. So we have a lot of football to look forward to, and we are very excited to watch these games over the weekend. I cannot wait for Saturday. Super excited. So speaking of Saturday, I'm so glad I have YouTube TV on my phone because unfortunately... I am not going to be able to do a show on Sunday. I will not be available as I am traveling out of town to the great, beautiful, wonderful city of Columbus, Ohio, which is about two hours from here. I'm going to a show. It's going to be a good time. Um, so I will have the phone out and charged so I can watch a little bit of these games. Um, I have to work Saturday. Unfortunately, I'll be getting out probably around the time when the first game starts, the Raiders and Bengals. So I'm looking forward to that. But just in a little announcement, we are not going to be able to do a show on Sunday. Um, that's why we one of the reasons why we are doing a show tonight. But 
very, very excited for these games. Let's see here. So as far as the NFL, that's going to wrap it up for my side. Matt, do you have anything else for the NFL that's before we close out the show? wrap it up for me, but I do have some breaking news. What's that? Oh, um, breaking news. Former five-star running back Noah Kane has announced just now, or like 10 minutes ago, that he's transferring from Penn State to LSU. Wow. Uh, former Louisiana natives. This this happened a day after he announced he was entering the portal, which was yesterday. And today he's heading to LSU. He's you know what? Home. I did see that yesterday that he was going to enter the transfer portal. Okay, he's going to LSU, huh? All right. Adding more power. But all right, everybody. Before we end the show, um, couple quick things. I want to shout out my man Kiwi Samurai from the Uno Clan. Uh, Kiwi Samurai, as we all know, friend of show, he's been on before. We talked iRacing. He placed first place in the TPMRC at New Hampshire for his first win of the season in his Uno you know, car. Congratulations to you, Kiwi. And man, I actually have one little tidbit. I want to talk a little basketball for a second, if you have a minute. Uh, the Cavaliers reached an extension with Colby Altman, who a year ago, a lot of people, including the fans, wanted him to be fired. Um, he's completely turned the team around. And I'm just very excited for him. So I have to shout out my man, Colby Altman. Um, just beat the Jazz last night in a blowout. At one point, they went on a 21-0 and run. Um, they're starting to look like a playoff team. And one quick final little tidbit for everybody to go and vote Darius Garland in the All-Star game, please, because he's playing absolutely amazing. And I'm so happy to have Cavs potential playoff basketball back. Um, they have not been in the playoffs since pre-LeBron. And I can actually go all the way back to the late 90s, the last time the Cavs played a playoff series without LeBron James. So very exciting wow. times here in here in Cleveland. <laughs> but that's going to wrap it up for me. Matt, do you have anything else before we end the show? That would be it. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And go Browns. We'll catch you later, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. Be safe. Stay blessed. Peace.